Welcome back to Everyday Addict. Shall I go again? We could yeah. leave that in. That's gold, isn't it? Here we go. Well, hello and welcome to Everyday Danning. We're in season two. This is episode three. Uh, I can't quite believe that we're still here. My name is Ben and as ever, I am joined via Zoom with my good friend, Robin. Sorry, I thought, I thought you just forgot my name. I thought it was one of those moments where... Ben's dropped the ball again. But no, it's lovely to be back. Hello. Yeah, ben, have good. you got, before we crack on with things, have you got a good dad joke for us? Uh, I have a dad joke. I have a dad, I have a dad joke. I'm going to remove the qualifier. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not necessarily, not necessarily a good dad joke, but it's one that I quite, I once, um, you know, I once did a tandem parachute jump. Um, I had a great time, but the bike, man, it was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of your better ones. I'll give you that. That is one of your better ones. I think uh, it'd be eight and a half out of ten on that one. Yeah, we That's like it. High score, high high score. I, I, I'll take it, that. It is a high score. Anyway, um, enough of us. Um, we have a, a guest on today who we're very excited to have. It's a good friend of mine, and Matthew Price. Um, Matthew, welcome. It's lovely to have you with us. It's great to be with you. Matthew, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so um, I'm a vicar in the Church of England, uh, currently lead a church on the east coast of Norfolk in the heart of a 1950s council state. I'm a dad to, uh, well, I'm married to Anna and we have three children, um, Barney, who is 13, uh, Charlotte, who is 11 and Rosanna, who's nine. Lovely, lovely. And it's, a, and it's fun being in, uh, being in the flatlands of uh, of Norfolk, is it? Well, we're very close to the Blackpool of the East Coast, Great Yarmouth, which has its joys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I think the first thing I'd say about my story is it was something I, completely unexpected for me. So I've always been uh, a great extrovert and um, uh, and always enjoyed being around people and uh, never felt that uh, mental health was anything that I would ever struggle with and certainly not depression. Um, but I guess um, possibly a combination of factors, a very busy at work life at the time it was before I was a, uh, a church minister, um, extra responsibilities in, in church, um, also um, three young children at the time. Um, I think I just started to gently slide downhill and it took quite a long time really before either I or my wife Anna really recognised what was going on. And I remember one day vividly actually where I think it suddenly dawned on both of us that this was something significant I was struggling for energy struggling to get up some days um feeling very down all the time and I remember we we read an article actually by Mark Menel some may know Mark and his work talking very openly about his experience of depression 
and as we read it, it was just like these shutters came off, and we thought that that's what I'm experiencing. That's what I'm what I'm living at the moment. And it was after we we read that that Anna said, "I think we need to make an appointment to go to the doctors." And I'm told that's often the way with men. Men rarely make an appointment to go to the doctors to talk about their mental health. It's usually their wives, and it's usually their wives who frog march them to the doctors. And we went to the doctors, and um, if anyone's, if you've ever had any issues with mental health or, you, or know anyone that has, you may know that one of the things they do when you go to the doctors to talk about your mental health is there's a kind of questionnaire that they fill in, which they it rates you out of 20-something. Anyway, mine was much higher than ever I would have expected. Um, and I remember it feeling like it hit me like a train, that realisation of this is what I've been living with. Um, yeah, the lack of energy, losing motivation, unable to concentrate on things. Um, and that was an important day, recognising it and doing something about it. But it was really only at the start of the journey. So the doctor said, look, um, uh, there's a six-month wait list for NHS counselling, which I think is often the case, probably longer now. Um, so we can put you on that, but I think we need to do something more immediate. So I was prescribed um, antidepressants, um, and it took, over the next few months, it took a few visits back to the doctors to get um, antidepressants sorted, uh, the right levels and the right combination of, of drugs. Um, and, yeah, and, and after that, I started to pick up a bit and get myself into a place where I could address what I now perceive looking back as some of the kind of underlying issues that were going on uh, and some of the, I guess, root causes. So although there wasn't NHS counselling available, um, we paid for private counselling and that was a really significant journey for me. Processing actually some things from my childhood, um, but also working on issues like perfectionism and um, yeah, feeling, the need to prove myself, I think, uh, a lot. I read a really significant book called Healing Grace and spent a lot of time reflecting on what my identity was in Christ as a loved child. I found that phrase really helpful uh, of a heavenly father who didn't need to do anything to prove themselves and could be, could be a broken individual in that relationship and still loved. Um, and and I guess I was on antidepressants for best part of a year, maybe a bit more than a year, uh, and doing the work and the counselling, and I just gradually saw an improvement um, uh, and came off the antidepressants again. But, but I think what I'd also say of my experience of depression is that it's never really sorted. So um, it we live with a... I, I think I live with a an underlying tendency towards that and I'm, I have to be watchful of that um a few years ago Robin you'll know that my wife was diagnosed with with breast cancer uh, in her late 30s uh, and I remember a feel of absolute panic of is this going to cause another slide downwards um mercifully in God's grace in lots of ways it didn't and he sustained uh, us as a couple and me through that period um but yeah, so so I live with that, and 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 it's something I've been living through in the the last year as well. You know, with the ups and downs of the pandemic and all the extra pressures that that's brought. We we read in our newspapers, don't we, all about the mental health crisis that's developing. 
So, so yeah, just being aware that it's uh, it, it's something that I have a a tendency towards, uh, and learning to manage my own emotions and to manage how I work and live in light of that. Yeah, thank you. Um, just uh, tell tell us how do you think how did it affect your 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 role as a dad during that time and and since as well so i remember feeling a lot of guilt hmm. so not having the energy to engage with the children um and guilt for the lack of relationship with the children at that time but also guilt about the extra pressures that it was putting on hannah as a mum um i mean looking back so i i think i was sliding downhill around the time that our youngest daughter Rosie was born and I look back and I remember feeling a lack of joy around her birth which you know looking back on that that's dreadful to uh, sort of strikes to my heart to even say that to express that um yeah so so guilt and um I, I feel like the older children so Barney would have been about seven or eight at the time he was much more aware of what was going on and sort of almost sort of began to tread on slight eggshells ar around me. Um, yeah. So lack of, lack of time with them and energy to spend with them was the biggest issue really. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, other ways do you think in which actually that whole experience has um, shaped you to be a, a better dad? Well, I think I, I think, I think looking back on the whole experience, so two things I would say about my experience of depression. One is I think I grew in my faith, bizarrely, through that period. Often that's the our experience, isn't it? You grow in your faith more and faster in periods of suffering than you do in periods of plenty. Uh, and I think um, I deepened in my relationship with God, which obviously puts you in a better place to be a Christian father. Um, but also, I think having an appreciation of uh, the challenges of mental ill health um, uh, has really helped me in life generally, in being a pastor and relating to people that are experiencing that. But it's Children's Mental Health Week this week. We hear about the challenges that our children are facing uh, in terms of mental health. And to have some understanding of experiencing that, I think, is good, particularly as our children head into their teenage years. and some of the most challenging years, I think, uh, in terms of perhaps um, encounters with challenges, mental health challenges. Do you, is, uh, is there a sense in which it, it's, it's put a focus on being a broken dad? Um, yeah. We, and, and, and therefore saying to our children, actually, it's okay to be broken. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Because I think middle-class culture tells us we have to be we have to excel we have to do well at school we have to um yeah we have to be the best we can be mm -hmm. uh, and school says that to the kids too they need to realize their potential um and actually to be able to admit i couldn't cope yeah and out of my brokenness uh, as a christian christ calls us into fullness of life doesn't he and and ministers to us in the brokenness yeah. and promises that he'll use the brokenness for good actually as well so to have had that lived experience and be able to share that with my children i think is a good thing yeah and, and, they, and they see a dad crying out to the heavenly father in brokenness because that's all 
all you can do. Yeah. Thank I, you. I, I love this. I dwell in the Psalms a lot during the time when I was depressed. Uh, I couldn't cope with much Bible reading, but but snippets of the Psalms were really helpful because you see, as you said, brokenness crying out to God expressed so beautifully in the Psalms. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we, we all need to realise that we're, we are dadding from a position of brokenness, don't we? Yeah. Whether it's with a, a diagnosed mental health <clears throat> um, thing that we're working through or just in everyday life, actually. Yeah. Um, we all want to be as good a dads as we can be, but in, but there has to be that kind of recognition that we're going to fall short. Somebody, we, we're not going to be the ultimate, you know, the everything that our kids need. We need to keep pointing to our heavenly Father, as we as we've talked about on, on previous episodes. Mm. That's, you know, that's super helpful, Matthew. That's really helpful. What what sort of things did you find helpful to hear, and and perhaps kind of on the counter to that. Were there things that people said to you that, that were just unhelpful? <laughs> so it's probably easier to start with the second half of that question than the first <laughs> half. So I remember being Bible-versed a lot. Is, is that a verb? Um, it is so, Yeah. Uh, and Christians out of good intent and love, uh, but just missing the mark, really, of where I'm at. Because I think the reality is, if someone's struggling with mental health and particularly depression, there isn't much you can do or say. And the best thing to do is recognise that. And actually, the best thing to do is simply to be with the person and alongside, um, sometimes in complete quietness. Um, yeah. So, so yes. So, advice was... Um, was sometimes more difficult to hear than it was helpful. Um, I think the most helpful thing I found was actually talking to people who had had similar lived experiences and were able to talk in a real way out of their own lived experience. I found that really helpful. Um, I mean, one of the things that everyone knows is that um, exercise is good for your mental health, but when you're depressed, being told that you should go out for a walk is probably the worst thing <laughs> that you could tell someone because it just piles on the pressure of, I need to get out. And that can sometimes be the last thing you want to do. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. No, it really does. I think that's helpful to hear. I think, I think often, you know, the fear of saying the wrong thing um, can be... But but also I think possibly the the desire to fix it, the people who want to to fix it. And yes, but I mean, dads, men, absolutely, that's what we want to do. We want <laughs> to fix it. Yeah. yeah. And and this can't be fixed easily, and is a long process that people usually have to just walk through. Um. So yeah, um, trying to withhold that desire to fix it probably is the best approach. And being and and I guess and being prepared to stick it out as a mate for the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this absolutely. is kind of right. Let's get let's get out down the pub, have a couple of pints, and we'll yeah. sort this. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not going to work like that. No. And practical demonstrations of love and being with the person we found really helpful. Um, often small things, but just pointing to a demonstration of we're here with you and we're standing with you in this. Yeah, it's often, it's often something we're not good at that as yeah. blokes, um, but when it happens actually it's huge isn't it it's a yeah a, a massive a massive help 
Well, and there was a, there was also a series of secular books that someone pointed me to, picture books called The Black Dog Diaries or something like mm. that, um, uh, which were just picture books. And in, they were much easier to relate to than words. Um, and I'm, I'm normally quite a wordy person. Before I was a minister, I was a lawyer, so words are, are big to me. But in that time, I found those pictures. And being able to... Um, there was also a book, a picture book called Living with a Black Dog that I remember a little while after I'd been diagnosed and I was starting to get onto a bit of a more level plane, sitting with Anna and looking at together and talking about our each our own lived experiences sparked mm. off by these these pictures was really helpful. Matthew somebody, I'm sorry, I can't remember the surname, but No, I'm sure I'm sure they're findable. Yeah. Um I mean <clears throat> as we've got to he head towards the end, what I'm sure that there are there are dads listening who either uh, know someone uh, going through depression um, or, or or are suffering themselves. Um, or they're probably listening to this podcast probably wouldn't be helpful. Um, me, Robin and Ben chuntering in your ears isn't going to be isn't going to be somewhere to go. I wouldn't have thought. But um, but w what would you say to encourage other dads who are struggling with this at the moment or know people who are? You know what. How, yeah, what, what, what advice would you leave them with at this point? I think, I think be kind to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. I think it's, it's, it's easy to load on the self-guilt about the situation you find ourselves in because you think you should be able to fix it and sort of shake yourself out of it. But also um, get help. It can be a scary thing to go to the doctors, but I think that was the best thing I did. And it actually, the medicine got me into a place where I could then engage with the counselling and do some of the underlying work, which I think has helped me to stand me in good stead for the last, what, 10 years since I was first diagnosed. Matthew, thank you so much for your honesty. Um, I really appreciate that. And, um, and just, uh, I think my takeaway would be that, that sense in which we are, you know, the, the, the sense in which we're broken dads mm. and, uh, and being honest about our brokenness. I think it's really important. Yeah. Well, there we go. That brings us uh, to the end. Matthew, thank you so much. Um, do keep listening. Um, we'd love to get your feedback. You can get in touch with us uh, by writing on the electronic mail, everydaydadding at gmail.com. Check out the website, everydaydadding.com. Um, and we will hear from you and you will hear from us next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. A little bit Alan Partridge at the end there, mate.